and welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 3, Bosom Buddies, season 2, from 1981 to 1982. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey and With us today, back from last episode, our resident TV historian, not resident historian just flat, Mike, that's you, of course. That's me. But resident TV historian, resident sitcom historian, Mr. Brian Rodriguez of the High School Slumber Party Podcast. Hello, Brian. I'm glad I finally got a residency. You too. Well, we got John Harden as a resident Shakespeare expert, even though I've never talked to him in person or over the, or whatever. Uh, Mike's a resident historian him. and also resident sports expert, and you are our resident sitcom expert. So there we go. Mike, you know, this is already getting off tangent on another, what's going to be another very long episode, but when we recorded our most recent episode of Too Fast, You Forever, and when we were doing our Boy, Do We Have a Podcast for You, a.k.a. This Ain't No 10 Second Race, and you asked, do we have a buzzer? I got a buzzer sound, so now there's a buzzer. Oh, sweet. So because yes. of you, we are there. Uh, we are recording this episode in person. Hello. At Cage Club HQ North. Live and in living color, in front of a live studio audience. Welcome to the new set. We're not talking about in living color. We are talking about... Bosom Buddies Season 2, a show that I wasn't sure if I enjoyed or not, and then when I was... Like, I, I liked it. I, I had a fun enough time watching it. Uh-huh. But then when I was going through the episodes to pull screenshots, I was like, I kind of got, like, emotional. I was like, oh, I'm probably never going to see these characters again, because I'm not going to rewatch this show, I don't think. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, like, I like Amy, I like Ruth, I like mm-hmm. Isabel, I like Sunny, I like Kip and Henry. Like, yeah. you know, I don't... Like, this is not my favorite show, but I enjoyed spending time with these characters, and I'm not going to do that again. Uh, and that's uh, it's a weird feeling yeah. to have. I'm not sure if it was some kind of like hostage situation where I got accustomed <laughs> it's a to little my Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> it's I like, a bit sure. like that, but you know, I kind of like, I think I like this season more, or maybe it was just at the end of this stretch. I agree. Like, I kind of, I'm kind of, kind of miss this show. Like, if I, I might show somebody an episode or two, it might, it would probably be from this season. I just feel like they dressed up way more and they got way crazier and wackier and things just took off in a direction I wasn't expecting this season that I liked. I mean, it definitely feels like the show that they wanted to make, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what you are feeling, especially Joey, what you said, is what viewers who actually enjoyed the show were feeling. Because this wasn't the age of, you know, DVDs or, or Netflix. Mm-hmm. When a show was canceled, it was almost deleted from history. Now, yeah. of course, it had a little bit of a revival because of Tom Hanks' career. But if Tom Hanks was not in the show, they would not have released it on DVD. No, it's not like All in the Family or no. I Love Lucy or The Brady Bunch. There even. are so many sitcoms lost in time and space that only exists in like the vaults of these like, spin-offs of spin-offs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things that people have never seen and probably will never see again until everything is just digitized and put somewhere and we have to pay for it. But you know, when this show was gone, it was gone. Well, yeah, we talked about it last episode about how when he landed Splash and became like this star, they were like, oh, we should probably do something with this because we've got 37 episodes of varying quality. But 37 episodes of Tom Hanks just from a couple of years ago, like it's still current enough to be like, oh, check out all this other stuff that we can make money on. So absolutely. And um, I read further into that because I was trying to find all the scholarship possible on this, and there's just not a lot. It's always just like Hanks, Hanks, Hanks. NBC bought the rights, and they did actually contact Hanks and Scolari and say, hey, would you want to make another season? But Hanks obviously was like, hey, my career's kind of taking off. And Peter Scolari had already been on Newhart, and he, you know, he got nominated for awards on Newhart. So hmm, like, New- you know, I mean, Bob Newhart had like some of the best shows on television. Like each of his sitcoms were yeah. like one better than the next. Absolutely. So you know, he's like, I'm on something successful. I'm not 
the star, but I might as well just chill. And obviously then eventually he wins an Emmy on the girl's guest spot, which he even said was a fluke. But like, I don't want to sleep on Scolari. I know this is a Hanks podcast. No, he really showcases more in that. He's doing impressions. He's doing lots of stuff. He's, he's stretching. Juggling every episode. <laughs> There's a lot of like repeated beats here that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Mike, I have a, before we get too much further, you mentioned it before, just just now, and something that you want to. Do you want to make an apology <laughs> to the format of sitcoms? Because you had messaged you me, know. Brian, when you were editing the, ep- the last episode, which we were joined by Eisen Addington, the Contenders podcast, and she's missing today. Just she, like we a couldn't afford her. She, we yeah. cannot afford her to fly her in. Patreon.com slash Cage Club. Am I replacing her? Like, tell me. Just like we got rid of, I don't remember her oh, name. Oh, I see. I can't remember episode. her name. That's, we've yeah. swapped out some of the cast. Yeah. yeah. yeah I so see. I, I'm, I'm doing a dual role as the guest and the guest. But yeah, so Mike, you messaged mm-hmm. us and said, I kind of come off sounding like you hate sitcoms. And just now you're talking about like great sitcoms. So just like our Waking Up in Reno apology tour, we can. this is the first and last stop here on the <laughs> sitcom apology tour. Yeah. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about sitcoms and about how you don't actually hate them? Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not like I have a prepared statement here. This isn't as... Oh, I do. Here, read this. <laughs> I am reading this on my own volition. <laughs> no, uh, no, yeah, I was just... A supr- sound-minded body. <laughs> I just sort of surprised myself a little bit about how sort of negative I came down on the format. I mean, I, there's definitely an art to it. I think the problem for me is, yeah, just recently, like, I've been way more of a movie man in general. I love my TV shows, and I just have not watched a lot of sitcoms recently. So I'm just out of touch with with them in general. I, I, I will tell you, I've seen a lot of episodes of Two Broke Girls, and Amy actually gives me a bit of a Kat Denning sort of vibe in some of these episodes. Oh, I could see that. Banana Balls. That's from Thor The Dark World. <laughs> yes. Mew Mew. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, I did grow up with sitcoms like Brady Bunch and all that. I mean, News Radio is one of the best shows ever. So, like, cheers. Look, I'm backtracking a little, trying to rewrite a little Stop history. Stop plugging Dancing on the Ceiling. <laughs> There's definitely good ones uh, out there that I enjoyed, but I just don't. I'm just, you know, when stuff like Big Bang Theory, that just discouraged me a lot. It's hard to compare anything on network to anything elsewhere. And anything from this day and age to anything five to ten years ago, even. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, the five. rules of the shows have changed so much in general that it's really hard to, to put up something like Friends yep. against even Big Bang Theory. So. I think I think it's... not. You might have sounded like this, but I know you didn't mean it like that, but, like, it bothers me, and this has nothing to do really with this, but, like, when people are like, oh, I don't like sports, or I don't like rap music, or I don't mm-hmm. like whatever, it's like, well, you can't just use a blank... Like, I don't like sitcoms. It's You didn't say that, but it's, it's like, well, you might not like three-camera laugh track, but like yeah. that's not the same show as Arrested Development that's not the same show as The Good Place which is exactly. like really a sick like it's there are all these different yeah. kinds like within a genre or a classification there's a lot of breadth that just saying like and you didn't say this but just saying somebody saying like I don't like sitcoms doesn't do justice to art no yeah. no right anyway apology accepted <laughs> before we talk about the episodes episode by episode I have a question for you both What's the better line, recurring line? Sunny, 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 sunny. Or, who is it? I knew that was going to be the line. (laughs) I wrote that down this time. Because they're both said by Kip or Kip and Henry a lot, but they're also both repeated by other characters in situations where it's a punchline, like, you know, Hank's dad says sunny, 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 or, you know, when they're in other places, they'll use the who is it line or whatever. Amy a lot does the who is it. Exactly. And so... They're both sort of core to the show's DNA, but do you have a a preference between those two? 
I almost wish Scolari said who is it and Hanks had the sunny sun. You know, and I, I almost wish they each had one. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm going, especially at the end of this season, I'm with the who is it because okay. they're both doing it together. Yeah, so. I, I'll agree there. I mean, again, and, and like you're saying, classic sitcom thing to have repeated catchphrases. You have to have a catchphrase. Every sitcom, probably, yeah, even now in the sitcoms try to have a catchphrase, as dated as that is. I mentioned Friends, like a show I didn't watch a lot of, but I know Joey's catchphrase is how you do it. How you do it. You know, and, and that's like the most how famous ba- one. It's so basic, and like that's Every why they work. one of the characters, though, believe it or not, has a catchphrase. Yeah, like Rachel's is like, hey, look at my haircut. It's the Rachel. What are they? Huh? Can you give me one or two? Just okay, one or so two. Ross in like the first five seasons. We were on a break. No, yeah, that later becomes like the catchphrase. <laughs> Great impression. The but the first five seasons, he answers, hi. Oh, really? Wait, his catchphrase is just high? <laughs> like, he, he's, like, depressed and high. Oh, not, wow. like He's not high on drugs. You know, no, I hear he's you. He's saying hi. Chandler. The first five seasons... Oh, oh more, I know Chandler's. Could you be... Yeah. Could you whatever, be anymore? anymore whatever. You know, but even, okay. that even, like, translates today, like, with uh, Chris Traeger literally... Yeah. Saying no, literally. It's, it's something they yeah, still or, do. Or it's I... Iconic, as it were. <laughs> well, I do it, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's catchy. It's memorable. I also do think, though, Mike, that you're... It, it's not necessarily a clear delineation down the middle, but I do feel like the first season where Hanks was more sort of starstruck by Sonny, he said that a lot more. It didn't really come around this because he's sort of more comfortable around her, especially mm-hmm, after yeah. mm-hmm. in the first episode, which we'll talk about, uh, where he reveals himself. So many thoughts about their but relationship. But then in season two, like, there's still... It's, it's this weird, like, the, even the who is it doesn't really mean as much the second season because, like, the only people who are really entering their apartment, other than grandfather, you know, are people <laughs> who know that they're the men. So they don't really need to hide it. But, like, that also comes back, like, when they're in the cabin and they hear a knock on the door and they say that, they're like, wait, what are we it's doing? It's habit, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so any other sort of high-level thoughts about the show before we get into episode by episode? Oh, tons. Most of my thoughts are high-level because I'm a professor <laughs> of sitcom. You're so smart. Well, well I mean, obvi- right off the bat, their new job. Like, I thought that was really smart. That's 60 seconds It's the, It's the second episode where they buy out Henry's uncle, who has a studio, and they go into business for themselves. Like, yep. I thought that was great. I really liked that we were going to... Uh, I thought that opened a lot of new doors. Yes, it did. And I'm happy about that. But whenever you do that, you have problems. This did not feel like season two to me. This felt like season four to me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because they were taking a lot of chances that shows with more of a rapport take. And one of the things that I noticed, and there's two of them. So I don't, are you guys familiar with the Parks and the Recreation? Uh, I am familiar the with the television the program. <laughs> yes. I've well, seen there's a episode. new like sitcom term that comes out of that, and it's called the Ann Perkins character. The Ann Perkins character <laughs> was a character who had a role at the beginning, and they kind of have to start creating new roles for at the end as the show evolves. I call this the Showtime problem, where Showtime has had every show that they've aired the last, like, say, 15 years run for eight seasons when it should have run for three or four. Like, the first three seasons of Weeds, I think, is a great example. The first three seasons of Weeds are, like, great. And at the end of season three, like, Agrestic, the, the little boxes town that they live in, burns down. And, like, that, in theory, could or should be the end of the series, but then they move and it sort of becomes other things. And then Kevin Dillon's character, who they love, doesn't have any reason to be around, but they don't yeah, want to get rid of him. Exactly. So it's the same thing. It's Exactly. Yeah, she was, like, a nurse, and then she was working at the Parks and Rec. Yeah, and- it was she because they wanted to out. build that park, right? So, it was, and once like that became downplayed, it was like, oh, let's give her a job in city hall. But why is she in the parks department the whole time? You know, oh, because she's <laughs> dating this guy, she's doing that or doing this. You know, like, and this happens kind of in the show with Ruth. 
Ruth, for sure. Oh, like, yeah. oh, she bought into the business, but Ruth she's Dunbar. hanging out here all the time. You know? Yeah. And even, like, in later episodes, like, Isabel's, like, hanging out at the work, too, when she should be running the... You know, true, she, she complains in one episode, like, oh, I don't have enough time for my career. Why are you hanging out with everyone else like, at their <laughs> yeah. job? Yeah. It's something that kind of hilarious in sitcoms that always happens as it evolves. Sure. That's why I felt like it feels like more of a season four, that we're seeing it all in a row. But if you saw this once a week, we mm-hmm. are not really getting the character development that we probably should for longevity. And I kind of believe that they knew they were going to get canceled. So they were more like, let's just do the things we wanted to do here. Right. Yeah. I feel almost like it's a re do of the first season in a lot of ways because their job is basically the same job they had at the ad agency. They're dealing with clients and they're pitching them commercials and stuff, only that we're going to get to see them act out and pitch those commercials yeah, because even Because they don't deeper. hire actors ever. <laughs> right, that they act out in all their commercials, which is insane, but I love that concept. Yeah, I felt like it was still the same show, but we were just hanging out at a different location, but I, we definitely get a way less of the cross-dressing, and we're hanging out in the like lobby of the hotel I expected way less. less, though, even on the cross-dressing from how we ended the show last week. It seemed like we, you know, yeah. we might not even gotten it at all. Because we go like one or two episodes again without even them dressing up, so I thought maybe by the end or halfway through the season that because they can, they would have afforded to move out on their own. Like, why <laughs> Why didn't Kip and Sonny get their own apartment, you know? I mean, I understand he loves Henry as a friend, but they see each other every day at work. They co- <laughs> they co-run a business with all their friends. So that's the other thing. I think there's it falls into the kind of sitcom conventions of, like, we can't really shake things up too much. But, you know, they're staying at this apartment because it's the only one they can afford. It's $150 a month or whatever. But later, one of the episodes is about how Henry says Kip is irresponsible with money. And he's like, here's your weekly salary. Salary and it's like two hundred seventy-five dollars. I'm like, if they're both make, if they're making five hundred dollars combined a week, right? Yeah. Like they're making, they're bringing two grand. The only apartment they can afford is the hundred fifty dollars one, where in a building where they have to dress like women. Like it's all sort of like they're they're still living together because that's what the show yeah. is. Yes. And, and part yes. of part of it this time around, I kind of came to appreciate those constraints that there's sort of there's rules and there's a certain jail to a show that you can never escape from and. Part of the fun of season two for me became not only how are they, how are they retooling this, but how are they keeping this going? You know, I think an example is Sonny and Kip's relationship. I never get a sense of what page we're on there. Even though they're supposedly together, it's unclear if or how many times they've actually had sex. Maybe never. Maybe never. I mean, it's implied at the end of the first episode, we're back, where it ends over the closing credits with a, a train crash, which... Hitchcock used the train going through a tunnel to right. symbolize it, but like that's symbolizing they're about to bone the two trains yeah. crashing. But down the line, there's several episodes where it's like they haven't slept together. Yeah. They haven't like they've barely made out. And like, what's weird, a little bit weird, is that the DVD order of the episodes is different than the order they air, they aired in. So there's the two, which the, was not uncommon back in the day. So. I don't know what the correct order is, mm-hmm. but one of the last episodes, Sonny's like, you know, you all, I don't want to ruin our relationship by having sex or whatever. I'm like, you've been together for this entire season. <laughs> what are you doing? I understand it's like a different time, and you know, what, but like still, it's like even out of order, it makes even less sense. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait. What? Yeah. Because, like, you know, based on his, I mean, I know it's hammed up and it's cartoonish for the sake of the show, but, like, Tom Hanks is not going to rest until he has sex with Sonny. And, like, if, if she's able to, like, keep him off for, like, an entire year of TV, like, that's... Which makes it even weirder when we'll get to it. The episode where he cheats on Sonny, like where is oh, that, that coming terrible. from? What I got is thoughts on that, that too. Yeah, we'll get to that episode. I know we will, but I just had to. I just had to, you know. I actually think Sonny was better in season one than in season two because a lot of a lot of the episodes she just like 
in this weird world existing. I think it also kind of, and this is more of a sitcom thing in general, where like over time, and this also happens really fast, but over time, you kind of, unless you're the main character, you kind of get boiled down to your stereotypes. And so yeah. she's just like, she, her definition is the hot one who is dating Tom Hanks. She's no longer a dancer. She's barely a nurse. She's not an aspiring model or no. an actress. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is who she is. And then because she's around, she's able to be on their commercials and everything that they pitch. But th- that feels more like she's a friend as opposed to an aspiring yeah, actress. Yeah, because everyone else they know is on their commercials and she's not doing it yeah like you yeah, said she's not it, an actress she's just yeah I wish there. there was just one episode where they literally hired her to be the spokesperson for their company or something so that she would be the person in every commercial they do well which we talked about in the last episode because there was the one episode the, the dancing episode where they hire her yes but you just like hire your friend like don't hire because you're going to sleep with her or whatever yeah. you know what I mean like another yeah. thing that's kind of discouraging is that Donna Dixon, she's great. Like, she she's great. so good. In, and, like, everyone's really good in the show, but, like, she's elevating this material. And, like, I was surprised, like, they hired her, obviously, to be the ditzy blonde, but, like, this actress is, like, pulling off some, like, pretty sophisticated... Like, they all are pulling off some really sophisticated timing this season, I felt. And it, the weird thing happens in the show, because there was almost more episodes focused on other characters in the first season. Yeah. And then, like, this one's more about the buddies, which is, which is fine and everything, but it's usually the other way in shows, if that makes sense. They usually, like, start out with the core characters, and then they start, you know, we'll talk about Parks and Recreation. You know, later, if you watch season one or even season two, it's inconceivable to think that there'll be Jerry episodes yeah. later in the show. Or even a Tom episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even then, because yeah. they're just, like, big characters. And this show almost did the opposite in the two seasons. Like, yeah. they focused on the buddies. I, that's a good call. But I actually kind of like how they showed more of their life together. Like, we get high school, we get college, we get the future. I think that yes. has to do with what you were saying, that like if they got the sense they were going to get cancelled, because I don't remember exactly what it was on, on the, like verbatim on the wiki, but it was basically like, they didn't even know if they are going to make it through the entire first season, then they got the second season order, and then like that was all like this whole Rocky thing. So I feel like you're right in that like if, they're, they're, if they don't know from week to week if they're going to survive, they might as well do like, I brought this up, so this I sent this to Mike. Uh, this is the, the write-up of the season on cageclub.me. So talk about a season which Kip and Henry open their own business, relive their high school years, nearly die, gamble away a fortune in Monte Carlo, water balloon Richard Nixon's car, date a Satanist, aid the mob, fake Hildy's death, and nearly die again. And it's like, okay, like these are all insane things, and these are all like back-to-back episodes. It's <laughs> like, well, we, they just almost died like a little bit ago, <laughs> and now you're going to have them almost die again? Like, oh, that's a third time! Because they, they also fall down the elevator, yeah. they fall out the window, they almost die in the cabin. That's why it feels like a later season of a show because right. usually in later seasons people try shit and, or they even get cocky and they're like oh let's like, yeah. experiment a little bit not season twos are usually let's develop the characters a little bit more once they got past episode one of season two which it feels like a major benchmark and they're like okay if we can make that episode work we could kind of blow the barn doors off of this show and go wherever we want to go and uh, i feel like that's what they did they're like all right we're out of that situation where they have to be secretly women in front of their friends, okay? We're in the clear there. Let's push everything else in another direction. And they I feel like they do. They get really wacky and goofy and they fall into, not fall into, but they do a lot more things you see in every other sitcom, like visiting them as kids, seeing what their parents are like. You know, we've, we see Kip's parents. We see Henry's sister. They really, you know, they end up in the hospital together. They bicker a lot. Like, they really go into doing like much more by the books sort of sitcom this yeah time. you know all the stuff in the magic box of gimmicks they open it like let's do this then there's a couple episodes where they put their own twist of ending it on like real real downers oh of, like, I, I have th- getting that's, real about yeah, it and we're, we'll talk about that because oh, i was just like God. i was like it's comedy 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 and then like yeah i'm afraid to grow up it's like what is what <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? And that then, like, is the bosom they play, touch. And then they play like the sad sound, and then like they do, the, they go to like the the commercial break, and then they come back with like a joke tag. I'm just like, what? 
<laughs> okay, so let's go through this because there's a lot of things I want to talk about based on what we said. So the first episode, The Truth and Other Lies. Kip decides to take his relationship with Sunny to the next level by revealing that he and Buffy are the same person. My first note about this is that this looks like a cheaper show to make. Like, the lighting looks worse. Yeah. It looks like they're like, okay, because I think the first season they talked about on the wiki that I think we even talked about in the last episode, where they were like, we couldn't believe how much money we had to do each had had like, to spend each episode and how little oversight there was. Like, it's almost like they're like, oh, we're like kids in a candy store and no one cares what we did. And then the second season, they're like, okay, cool. Here's a tenth of your budget. <laughs> Go do the same show. You know what I mean? It and feels... Oh my it, God. The, the cutaways, even if, especially in the first one, they're supposed to be in New York. Literally, they're so California. One even has the California flag, like oh, waving no. proudly in it. Really? They're cutting outside. And I'm like, whatever was around like the cutting room, like outside shot. Just, just put it in. Because later episodes have very grainy footage of New York that was like from a Roxford file or something like different, definitely from a we'll different show. We'll talk about show. a grandparent episode, but that exterior shot of the mansion is like from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is the episode where we find out that Lily, the apartment, ma- the, the building manager, is engaged to a native somewhere and it's not going to come back. Okay. So Isabel takes over. Which was a little bit teased in the last season. Yes. I noticed this time it's basically the Hanks show from this episode. It's like they really focused on Tom Hanks. I don't know if that's just because it was a Kip-centric episode or not, but I was like, they know what the bank on. They're <laughs> focusing on, on Hanks. So they come back from a date, and this is like in the first episode, Sonny's basically like, okay, cool, let's go to your place and have sex. And he's just like, uh, I live in a motel, let's go to a motel. And then that's where she's like, I think something's up with him. And then they go to the gala, and he's talking to Henry. He's like, I need to do this. And Henry's like, okay, cool, like bring her somewhere special or whatever and like let her know and he turns around and Hanks is already backstage slowly taking off his dress <laughs> and his wig to reveal that he's Kip yes. in a dress without bosoms just his like you know his hairy upper chest and I like again praising Donna Dixon like her motionless reaction just like I don't know what to do with this <laughs> where she's you know the character is betrayed and confused and hurt and confused and she's just like what and then it's, you know. aw- it's awkward it's awkward I did laugh really hard at one point though because she walks out and Henry pulls his wig off too and is like I'm sorry Sonny I'm sorry yeah, yeah. Oh, and, then, pull Amy's hair and then she walks over to Amy and pulls Amy's hair and I, but like that that alleviated the tension in my room while I was watching it because I was like this isn't funny this is super awkward I don't know where, where you go with this and then so thank goodness it ended on a, a on a laugh there to get us out this is the same one with the embassy party yes yeah, I thought this was like a first signal in this season two that they they take some chances with like ethnic stereotypes this season that they didn't mm-hmm. as much last season. Nothing I personally found super super offensive, but I thought it, I thought they were made some interesting. Well, there's this, there. there's the Monte Carlo stuff, yeah. there's Ernie Hudson in prison, where yeah. it's like <laughs> Ernie Hudson, yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't think I didn't find it offensive at all. It wasn't something that where I was appalled, right? But I thought right. they took a lot of chances, even gay stuff too. It, it feels more of like a cartoon this season in that regard, you know, because they're falling off of buildings and everything like you know i mean just, they're falling down elevator shafts like just in general and they're dressing up way more and you know costumes and stuff like that for their commercials just in general it felt more like i was watching like a live action cart like a looney tunes thing That's and right, yeah. and so you just needed very quick you know symbols to be like all right that's this character <laughs> that's that character so like when we're in monte carlo we need to know that like this is a general or like something like that yeah, yeah. so the the big thing we're talking about in the last episode is how are they going to convince these women eight to not hate them but also that like it's okay because you know they've been confiding in them and all this different stuff so Amy obviously knew because Amy was in on it from the beginning the last one they convinced is Ruth cause, but Ruth basically says something like I've put on a lot of crazy costumes too who am I to judge um, Isabel's kind of makes the most sense 
in that she's like, I can't look like a fool to the residents, so like, I can't look bad, so you might as well keep this up, and also I like you guys or whatever. The Sunny one, I feel like this is, again, like we were talking last episode about how when Henry's mom finds out he's dressing as a woman, and it sort of feels like too quick of a reversal, this also sort of feels like a, we need to resolve this in this episode, but Hanks is like, no, I'm doing this because I love you, and then she's like, the quote is, you love me, you love me, you were wearing a dress for over a year because you love me, and then they passionately embrace, and then that's when we see the fireworks and the trains colliding, and then she says, you sure go out of your way to impress a girl, and it just, I feel like that cheapens her character in that she was betrayed, I was especially talking about in the last episode, but that episode early on where she stays over with them, right? And yes. like, like, these are her girlfriends, in theory, but in reality, it's the guy who wants to get in her pants, Yeah, and here we are resolved in like 90 seconds and now you know she's still I guess sort of kind of on the fence about whether she's going to date Kip but like this is all behind them and it's like well that happened a little too fast but you know whatever it has to happen in one episode is the problem like I wish it could have been a, a two-parter a very special two-parter first or, episode or take of the this season, season or, for her sorting it out that would be ideal they would they do that now but they would never have like an arc for a secondary right. character kind of like that I mean there's no arcs whatsoever in the, in this series it would have been more so. interesting than what they gave her to do anyway you know what I mean so totally yeah but I agree with you like that's why after the first episode and that that sort of issue is dealt with for the show's sake and everything yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like good let me just get on with this show I'm trying to put it out of and my mind and I think mind. that's what they were thinking too and then the yeah. rest of it just becomes again we'll say this again like just fast food different meals every week the second episode there's no business you mentioned this before Mike this is when Kip and Henry buy their own commercial production house from an unscrupulous salesman I, I couldn't believe it that they were going to switch up the format that much, that they were going to become their own bosses, have their own job, and, and leave the ad agency. You talked about in the, fir- uh, the, in the first episode that you're like, I think the end goal of this last four or five seasons is that Amy is running the ad agency. And like, not only is Amy not running the ad agency, but like, we don't even give a shit about the ad agency anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they're all gone. Like, and Ruth becomes an investor in this, like, so that she has a reason to hang around. It's just like, but there's also the episode where they really want to buy the T-note, but then, you know, Henry gives the the money and he you know they buy they buy this instead which i thought was sort of interesting why later in the season there's the episode where like henry thinks that kip is really bad with money i'm like well you know you, you kind of screwed the pooch here first you know what I mean? like, <laughs> and then they use footage of them putting up the sign for the new intro yeah yep. but the, it's in it happens before we yes see it. Yeah. yeah i know so <laughs> well okay a so foreshadowing. i, I want to be clear but i don't know if i said this already just maybe you guys know but just for the, your audience the cuts we're seeing are not the cuts that were shown on tv we're seeing syndication cuts. So when a show is bought in syndication, oh, okay, yeah. not so much now because people fucking know what happens in shows. Up until like at least 10, 15 years ago, when something went into syndication, whoever bought the syndication rights would cut it their own way. That's why the episodes are rearranged because whoever decided on... It was know, like, this is the better it, order. It was like, yeah, let's order it this way instead. The DVD cuts are usually, especially for something like this where there's not like a huge cult following, man, I need the regular order or I need, I'm missing mm-hmm. this scene. The no Billy Joel oh, it's, song. it's not Star Wars where you need the D special effects ones. <laughs> Guys, I need the original bosom. <laughs> <laughs> but there's okay so there's a so message board. George Lucas fucking with my bosom buddies <laughs> I saw a message board and people like who were really into the show talking about this and they're like yeah there have been a couple scenes that were cut in syndication but they weren't for like because they didn't like them a lot of them had like people singing songs that they didn't get the oh, rights to licensing rights. things to make it cheaper yeah okay. so like that beginning credits might just be the beginning credits they cut together because it's not even the original song so that's true right. Okay. So is that, that Henry gets scammed into buying his Uncle Mort's production studio. They got to come up with $17,000 to keep the studio. 
show, and this is where Ruth, in a really cool, strong, powerful moment, is just like, she comes in, and Uncle Mortar, the guy, or whoever is like, whoever owns the studio, yeah. basically calls her a prostitute or a hooker or whatever, and like, you know, I'll give you 20 bucks the or guy, whatever. Yeah, the guy holding them up, yeah. Yeah, and she says, what you just offered me $20 for, I just did to you for 17 grand. <laughs> great, Where she's great just like, line. I just fucked you, dude. Like, <laughs> big dick. Get out of my life, exactly. Huge. Big dick energy, for sure. The episode ends with Hanks on his first infomercial, which I thought was cool. I think, that, you know, there's... I love that this gives them the ability... Like, the first season, they had the ability to do, like, weird ad campaigns or stuff, but we sort of saw, like, the, the making of and not the production. Here, it's like, oh, we've got a giant pencil for some reason. Like, let's figure out a, a way to do, like, a, a production sketch about this. You know what I mean? Or I want to have them dress in new wave clothes so, like, we have these outfits around so, like, they just have to oppress a client with it. Like, so I just feel like this opens up a new world of possibilities for yeah. visual gags and stuff. Definitely what they were going for. Mm-hmm. The next episode, The Reunion. At a reunion of students from his old high school, Henry meets a deaf girl and recalls how badly he treated her on prom night and my big issue with this is that their reunion for their high school in ohio is being held (laughs) at the susan b anthony hotel (laughs) in new york that's amazing why okay like a lot of colleges have reunions in new york because a lot of alumni go to new york right Or, or like just end up moving to new york but not for a high school no makes no sense and then they get unlimited guests you know it's another like let's force this situation in there but you have have to do the high school reunion episode at some point, right? So I'm glad they they. But did they could have just flashed back to high school. Well, I'm Which glad. Well, that's do. the best part is or, the high school flashbacks. Or stuff. you could do like a, a you could you could essentially shoot it in that same restaurant, be like have a scene like like we're going to Ohio for the weekend or whatever, and then like have them go and then like you know what I mean like. But it's very clearly the Susan B Anthony Hotel, and like Isabel is there. Like there's no reason. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have. Budget. I didn't have as much issue. I thought that was kind of funny. Not to bring it up, but like what bothered me was the way Henry is acting in this episode. It is so bizarre. Yeah. Like what? Who acts like that? Like I, I understand. You know the idea. Like oh, you tell a white lie because you don't want to go to the prom with yeah. the girl and stuff. But when you see her. 15 years later, you, you do the same thing? You just run away from her? <laughs> I don't know. That was so bizarre to I me. I mean, look, it, this, these episodes are just conceived. At, not like with that. It's just like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could get a Hanks and Scolari? And like, what would they look like in high school? Yes. Let's yes. start from here. But at least have Henry act like Henry. Henry he's a nerdy is, hall monitor, yeah. He's not like, he's not a, someone who would ignore you know, someone trying to have a conversation with him. Especially, like, it was almost more of like um, Kip's thing. Like, Kip would be a jerk to a girl like that more than Henry, you know? Because Kip is... Sh- I mean, they're both shallow. Yes. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. But I'll say they're both shallow, but if we're comparing them to men at the time, they're not as far off... Oh sure, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't, I don't think it's out of line. Like, you know, Kit might be more likely to rebuff a girl because she's deaf, but I also think that like it's not crazy for Henry to rebuff her either because even if he's just a nerdy dude, he says he's asked for it. It's like you know the whole first season where he's like, yeah, I don't want to date Amy because she's not Fair, my, yeah. I, I, my vision of beauty or whatever. Fair, no, you know what that's mean? right. Yeah, um, I just thought he was more of a more decent human being than that because yeah. he came off really cold. What's actually kind of weird is that this past week, as we're recording this, the episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine was where Jake and Gina go back to their high school reunion. And Gina's there to like lie about. I mean, I guess it's it's a it's a sitcom trope where it's like they're gonna lie about like how successful they are or whatever. Yeah. And so this is where Kip is gonna like lie and like talk about how like how he's married to Sunny or whatever. Oh, and yeah. then Sunny like like after like one time is like I've had enough of this bullshit. And he just starts like throwing wrenches in the narrative and stuff like that. I thought that was really funny. But I mean, I love that we get uh, Hanks as a like a free loving hippie. <laughs> that was which, great. You know, I'm sure that we're gonna have more stuff set back in the past, especially you know who knows. But I know that Forrest Gump takes a little bit in terms of that that era. So oh, yeah. yeah. 
you know, we'll see. Next episode, one for you, one for me. After berating Kip for... Oh, this is one that was put late on the DVD. This is like episode 18 or 19 or whatever. After berating Kip for being irresponsible with money, Henry buys a stolen VCR and is thrown in jail. Oh, so... Okay, so you're going in the order of... Of which... You're going the, in... The air... The air, air date. Right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Order. This is the Ernie Hudson one. Okay. It is the Ernie Hudson one. And this is where the, my first note, because it was so late in the season in terms of what we were watching. So Kip and Sonny still haven't had sex? Then I realized, oh, that's because... I don't know. That's just because of standards and practices, probably. Where it's like we can't, we can't say they had sex, but we can say they haven't had sex. <laughs> like we could say sex on the show, but it has to be in a certain way. I don't know. This is an episode where Hanks and Sonny, Kip and Sonny, go away for the weekend to the skiing. That tripped me up too, because Scalari and Hanks had already gone skiing in the cabin and almost died. Yeah. So this was, so, this was before. Yeah. So, so this was like I was like, are they talking about the trip they're going to take? Oh no, this is another <laughs> ski trip. Okay. One thing I thought was really weird was that how thirsty, to use a modern day word for what wouldn't have been back then, like how thirsty Amy is for Henry, that when Hanks rips off, or Kip rips off his towel, is that like leopard print underwear on, oh, yeah. he gets grossed out? I was like, how is this not like, like the Her auga, fantasy. auga, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is... This is what you want, right? And then she's like, "Ew!" And she runs out of the apartment. You know what I mean? So, well, because I don't think it, I don't think it works for him. I'll put it that. Well, how about Henry getting arrested because the cop just like wanders into the studio and he's like, "Your name, Henry?" Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> "I thought so. That item you bought was hot." Well, because he mailed in the warranty card because so he he knew the address and everything. You know what I mean? But like, but a man that feels remember... like due diligence to a, a greater extent that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, don't prosecute that guy. But did he even know that he was buying a hot item? No, because he thought yeah. it was a bargain. Exactly. So that's what. Because yeah, no, this and is they where just throw you in, and they jail. wouldn't arrest you yeah. for buying a hot item. Well, I mean, like Nicolas Cage bought that stolen dinosaur skull and just had to return it. Like, exactly. That was, you know, yeah. that was it. So yeah. It wasn't his fault. Like he just bought it. But you said Ernie Hudson's in this episode. <laughs> he hits shamelessly hits on Isabel um, when she first shows up. He's yeah. like, I hope this is a conjugal visit. It's like, well, I mean, come on, dude. Like, I didn't realize Ernie Hudson was that built. Yeah. Well, this is like right before Ghostbusters, right? No mustache or any of that. It looks no really hair. young. This also has one of the weirdest epi- endings to an episode, I think, all in the entire show, where, like, Kip comes back, and he's going to bail him out, and then he like, he's wanted because he, Henry put his name on the warranty, too, so he goes in jail, and the episode ends with Kip bailing himself out and being like, well, bye! Yeah, and Henry's still in jail. <laughs> still in jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, end of episode. <laughs> It's just like, what? And then like the, the, the post-credit tag is that Kip is upset that Sonny wanted to ski all weekend instead of, you know, being yeah. that romantic kind of getaway. I guess sort of, this is a little bit of a shout-out to, to to all the girls I loved before. They had that ski trip, too, yeah, right? So, no, no hot tub weekend, I guess. We got we got that. We got a high school episode, so I was enjoying this season. The Road to Monte Carlo, a near-death experience, leaves Kip and Henry with a big insurance settlement, which they use to take a trip to Monte Carlo. This is the first of three episodes where they almost die. <laughs> right, it's the elevator shaft. Yes. And they're basically, you know, looking through their life's regrets, like, what have they done? What they, they feel like they haven't lived life. So this this episode was the first one, and there's a couple this season where I was like, these feel not off, but different than typical sitcom structures, like three-act things, because it's like the it's more of like an old Simpson episode where, like, the first act actually was like a mini-act that set up mm-hmm. the rest of the story, and then act two and three play out the rest of it, and yeah. we end somewhere I never would have imagined by going to, like, Monte Carlo and gambling <laughs> the money away. So so I thought that like this and a couple other episodes this season tried to break structure for better or worse. And for worse, you know, being an episode where Henry is left in jail by the end of the episode because <laughs> they haven't resolved that act or anything. But Yeah. Uh, what's the side plot with the, the girls? Amy and Isabel. They go to Hoboken to Amy's mom's Hoboken, house. Hoboken, that's why I went to remember. Oh my yeah. gosh. I they go to Hoboken to Amy's totally mom's house. Amy calls it 
Hoboken or something. Yeah, Hoboken. Else. Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. I knew there was something else in that yes. episode. And then the Monte Carlo, we, we get a special guest star that I pointed out. Joey Zaza. Joey Zaza from... From the Third Time the Charm classic yes. episode, Gotham 3. One of the Hall of Fame episodes. <laughs> Starring <laughs> Domino. <laughs> was Princess Diana supposed to be in this episode? There's like a... I think... Because oh. they see somebody walk by and they're like, is that no. Lady Di? I think so. Joke? I don't know. Is that, okay, the, I was going to ask, like, who are they trying to say? I think is it was that... her. I don't know. Again, bad. I have a bad sense of history, but I think that was who it was supposed to be. So the, the dumbest thing in this whole episode, I guess it's, it's one of those like sitcom tropes where like we kind of have to reset to zero at the end of every episode. <laughs> but they win money, they win money, they win money, they win money. And then they're like, all right, cool. We're going to bet half on black and half on red. And I was like, why? Fast five. Right. But like, but <laughs> worst case, <laughs> which happens to them, mm-hmm. you lose all your money. Best case, you still have the same amount of money you had before. It doesn't make sense. It's zero win and like a two percent loss, and they lose. So yeah, it makes it's no, terrible. It, it makes zero sense. But yeah, like, it's it's a Rico and Tego thing, definitely from the end of Fast Five. Well, that's why I was like, why are they going to Monte Carlo? Why aren't they just going to Vegas or AC or something like that? And it it kind of feels like written by someone who's never been to Vegas or AC or Monte Carlo. Or... Monte Carlo doesn't just like a room with one of each game. Yeah, one of each game. <laughs> Here's our poker table. Here's our blackjack table. Here's our so keno glamorous. table. It reeked to me of like uh, someone writing about something they have no idea. Of with their kind of writing. No, and even it. at the time to fly to Monte Carlo and stay there, they did not have enough money to do and then gamble and come back. Yeah, you would just go to AC for the night because they're in <laughs> New York City. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next episode doesn't make a whole lot more sense. Water balloon gate. Kip oh. and Henry drop a water balloon in a car that turns out to belong to Richard Nixon. After being questioned by the Secret Service, Kip is so shaken that he gives up practical jokes. And this is one where, like, they're obviously, like, goofy guys who joke around, but I was just like, why is Henry an idiot in this episode? Like, everything <laughs> is a joke. Like, everything is just like, Kip is just trying to have a conversation, and Henry's, like, doing, like, he's basically, like, buzzer on his hand, whoopee cushion, like, right. like every, like, Squirting stupid... flower, everything yeah, exactly. ready. <laughs> like, my flower, it's just, like, it's, it's like, well, they yeah, really had to hammer home how serious Kip wants to get because, you know, in general, Kip, you know, just to look at Hanks and stuff, like, he makes you laugh. He makes you smile. He's a fun-loving, high-energy kind of guy. So, like, they could only tone him down so much that they had to beef up Henry <laughs> and make him bigger so that Hanks felt more serious. That's what I was thinking. I also wish that this was the other way around because we're watching it for Hanks and to see Hanks be the straight man was, like, boring. That was weird, too, Where because I didn't feel like Kip would, you know, caught into authority like that. It's kind of Captain America Civil War. It's like, wait, wait, why is Tony is aligned with the law and, and Cap is the bad guy? <laughs> I did love, though, that the, uh, the Nixon... Shout out. Like, I just thought that was so bizarre, just the idea that it was Nixon's car and everything. Nixon used to live, like, pretty close yeah, to here. Pretty close to yeah. the studio. This has one of my favorite visual elements of any episode, which is where they're playing football in full pads in the, out- in the office, and Amy, <laughs> and Amy sneaks in to hear the signs, and she's, like, underneath them. So I like, I like that a lot. I feel like Amy is the most consistently written character, for better or worse. Like, I feel like they're, like, they know who she is. Yeah, but I feel like there's no real... Like, we got those special moments in season one with Amy and Kip that you think that maybe he'll come around. And do you really get any of that in season two? Well, as we'll learn, even if you are a couple, it doesn't matter in this show. Well, there's also the flash forward, right? Where there's the where they envision themselves as senior citizens, and in that world, they're together. To what extent they're together, who knows? They talk about President Travolta. They say just say Senator Desmond, but then she like answers the question. I think she was the oh, senator. Oh, that's I think. cool. Okay. And he's like her first lady. The next episode is a very significant one for the arc, the character arc of this show. All you need is love. Depressed after breaking up with another girlfriend, Stephanie Kramer, Henry goes into a video dating service where he meets a beautiful Satanist played by the future Mrs. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson. Yeah, and she's also going to be on the film Volunteers, which is where I 
thought they first met. So the, so the, the story, and I read this on IMDb or Wiki, is that they met here, and they oh. kind of like had a crush on each other, but they were both dating other people, and they're like, married. we can't do anything. They were, Hanks, Hanks was married. Oh, Hanks was married? Married, yeah. So they were both you know, with other people, and then when they re-met again a couple years later, they were both single, and they're like, okay, now we can do this or whatever. Brian's Gossip Corner. Tom Hanks got married to his high school sweetheart, and he had like Colin Hanks at like 20. So they're only like 20 years apart. And he's Which grown up look to look exactly the same. Just like yes. him, yeah. <laughs> so someone else that's going to re-team with Hanks from Bosom Buddies Season 1, Adrian Zemed, is in Bachelor Party. They're best friends in that oh, movie. Oh, so. cool. So this is one where... So th- this was, again, like, you know, this is something that feels terrible characterization of the woman that Henry's dating that they, they've been dating for three weeks yeah. which in the scope of this movie in the show uh, apparently Kip and Sunny could be dating for months and months and months and never have sex but in these three weeks this woman becomes so obsessed with Henry that when he's like we need to move on which again if you're serious for three weeks and like that you're having conversations like it feels weird all oh, around yeah. Oh, yeah. but she was so distraught that she like loses her mind and then there's like a he says something about like basically and it's not this but like how great she is in bed or whatever and like every Every guy in the restaurant gets up and like waits for her to come out of the bathroom, <laughs> and then she, you know, she meets a new guy and yeah. she's fine. <laughs> but I was like, this feels lazy and not good. No, you know what this episode was? This was a showcase episode for the new sensation that was sweeping America: video dating. <laughs> this is about video dating services and e- exploiting all of that and everything. This is how people before there was an internet. Lots people of people meeting met people like in this. person. That's unnatural. I love that because that's like that would be a funny line today yeah. in any show. Yeah, though this this could be on like the two broke girls. They could do the same episode, but it would be a Tinder episode or something. Uh, you know, it makes me think, right? Like you could have a podcast just on high school reunion flashback sitcom episodes. You could have like there's every sitcom has at least one of how these episodes. Boring that like no, no, of course I'm not saying you should. Like, I feel bad for you sometimes when like you watch a movie that feels like it should be a brand new movie and it's like the f- same four or five beats that you've covered in four or five other movies pretty much most if of you did the same yeah, yeah. You just a new package a new cover which but. i don't mind i don't mind but like <laughs> something like that like again every every show is going to have that episode that yeah. how did we oh we actually knew each other many years past like i don't think this one had it but like every sh- show that goes along will have that like oh you bumped into this character 10 years before we thought we knew you you know that well, it's like basically though they do do that in college when they get recruited by Ruth. You're right. Like yeah, that is the moment where it's like they one, knew yeah. Ruth back then. <laughs> um, and I, I guess that sort of makes sense because they're not supposed to be really like you know young. Like they're they that's probably that's their first job out of college. Whatever. But yeah. It still feels like oh okay. In this episode, Rita Wilson is dating applicant number six six six. Oh, I didn't catch that. Of course. Henry calls her Candy Ears. That's his nickname for her. And the only other note that I have here is that at the end of the episode, they're in uh, their Buffy and Hildy outfits walking out of the, the Susan B. Anthony, and there's a priest there sort of giving them shit for some reason, and Hanks just goes, hey, guy, we're dudes, and like just pulls oh, his no. leg off. And I was like, that's a weird... That was actually kind of a funny moment. Because... Oh, I like, no, I like that. It was like yeah. a weird, like, uh, it's a joke now that they can reveal themselves. So what was that? Was Isabel trying to show him, like, I can run the Susan B. Anthony, like, there's no funny business, like, men aren't allowed upstairs, and then in come Hanks, and he's talking about a relationship, being in a relationship with a woman, dressed as a woman, and the Padre is like, yeah. oh, wait, like, like, I'm I'm hip. I'm cool. Like let me <laughs> yeah. let me listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I still didn't get the motivation. No, but it, it felt like they were trying to make a progressive joke of some kind, where they're just like, yeah, that is like, like non-denominational. Like whatever your bag is, like that's cool. The church will support you. A little, you know, <laughs> far from true, but whatever. 
The next episode continues Henry's whirlwind romance. Other than that, she's a wonderful person. Henry starts dating a pretty interior decorator whom Kip detests. Yeah, a lot of Kip and Henry opposite side of the fence when it comes to women this season. Like, because Henry's also going to, there's a thing with Kip's sister. So I feel like this was a little bit of a, these two episodes were a little bit of a retread of the idea that Henry doesn't get along with Kip's girlfriend. Yeah kind of thing. And also what's really weird about this episode, which we see in this and then never again, is we hear inside characters' heads. Oh, I like love that. Like Sonny sees the the woman that Henry's dating and like they're being catty back and forth like, oh this she's she's not nothing like she's like oh she's like, oh she's so pretty but she's kind of like a ditz or whatever. You know, like it's just weird. And then like we have like an Isabel thought that's about something else. like there's a there's a tag there that works. <laughs> oh, and then the waitress comes over and is like, "Am I the only one that noticed that these yeah. two look like those women that live upstairs?" Yeah. <laughs> nah. I thought that was a funny sort of moment because they, that's the only time they ever did it. I forget why that started, why the first person was, we were reading the first person's thoughts, but that it kept going, I thought was funny because it had no reason to keep <laughs> going like that. Just another silly thing they tried here. One thing I feel is weird as on a grand scale, and again, this is something maybe you shouldn't think about because it's a sitcom, but like, if you're Henry and you're dating a woman, how do you explain to her that you live in this hotel for women? Like, right. it's difficult enough, like, because when, when Sonny had to find out, he was like, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, how do you, if you're Henry... Didn't he end up telling her? He ends up telling Doesn't one of the girls... No, in the room, yeah. Yeah, this is the girl that's from L.A. and, and everything, right? And he's like, yeah. oh, great, and they're doing the California accent. Yeah, and they're talking about sushi and yeah. everything. Yeah, no, he yeah. tells her because she comes in. Does this girl look like she eats sushi in the valley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised about that, too, because there's a scene where it's just like, oh, she knows, and she's cool with it. Like, everybody's just going to be cool with this. Like, I'll say, I think some people find it creepy, but rent, even back then and now, so expensive in the city. What we learned in this episode maybe is that Henry's a virgin, or he at least seems very reluctant to bed this woman who's like very ready to have sex with him. Yeah, but didn't we learn before that? No, what well, we learned in the episode with Kip's sister, she wants She's Henry yes. to pop her cherry. Yeah. And then we also it also sounds like in that episode, Henry's like, I I too it also sound, I also thought in that episode but it sounded like Henry was a virgin. Just were saying that like he was implying that the girl was Loose. Yeah. Right. No, I know it's wildly inconsistent. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think he hit. Because, but, but I love about this episode. This whole episode was worth it for that one final joke where they pull down the the Murphy bed and Amy is laying on the oh Murphy bed. Oh my god! I was like, this is great. amazing. Because I did not expect that. And also, this is another episode where it gets really significantly somber in a hurry because Henry's like, Kip, what is the deal? Why are you being such a dick? And he's like, I'm afraid I'm losing you. And it's the same kind of thing that like, End the of whole episode. first season, right? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, what? It was such yeah. a downer. And he's like, <laughs> oh, that's why. And then you just hear like canned yeah. applause. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? I mean, I'm glad they're touching these kind of issues. It's just timing it's just not a good note to end on yeah usually want to end on a joke or a laugh not like a like an introspective (laughs) thought about like my future a quarter of the episodes feel like they're a very special episode by the end because it just it ends on like the opposite of a joke not even just like a serious thing but like the the the, the other end like literally it'd be like going like henry what are we doing with our life and then, like, applause. Miller Boyette. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess it should. They should at least give 30 seconds more. That would kind of save it. Be like, I'm always going to be here for you, man. Yeah, yeah well, there you should, know, it, like, it feels it like a setup. Yeah. It felt like a setup to a tender punchline, right? Like, like Kip, man. Like, we got to grow up one day. And instead of Kip going, like, I don't want to grow up. It should be like, 
yeah, I mean, we're not Peter Pan, are we, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then you end the episode. <laughs> the next episode, the slightly illustrated man we referenced as earlier, Kip and Amy decide to prove their commitment to Sonny and Henry. Again, different level of commitment here because Kip and Sonny together on yeah. some level. Henry and Amy, very much not together. They pr- decide to prove their commitment by getting tattoos. And this is the episode that begins with Kip making out the sandwich girl. Why? Yeah, well, okay, we'll get to that in a second. My first, my pet peeve, movies, television, film, tattoos, and the way that people, they're portrayed in film, and never good, never good. Oh, this is what your, ter- this is what your tweet was about? And you should never drink, but they will not, because yes. the blood very, is thin, very. and a lot of people will not give you a tattoo if you're drunk. Shout out Racing with the Moon, where they show up, where Cage and Sean Penn show up blackout drunk and, like, want to get tattoos there, so. Yeah. Those were my, my, I had some tattoo issues with that. My quickly two-year tattoo point, though tattooing is actually illegal in new york city at this point from 61 to 92 or 3 tattooing was illegal in the city all right the bigger issue yes is that this episode starts with hanks cheating on sunny sunny shows up while they're making out and she says we're free agents babe we don't own each other yeah I was and, like, Whoa. and and she and hanks is kind of like all right cool like i can date around she's like yeah but i can date around too and he's like and again this is sort of i think mike you might have been saying that kip seems like the kind of guy who like when you go to the movies with him and the ticket taker rips her ticket stub he'd be like wait why are you looking at my girl like that like this is this sort of triggers his like oh i don't want like because again stereotypically but in the world of the show kip is dating up that like if other dudes get to date sunny which happens in this episode where he like fights the guy, he's going to lose her because he's, for the sake of the show, not good at what he does. Like a lot, a lot of things, he's not like good at what he does. Like he's a genuine and like he's a he's a kind guy. Right. But he's but kind he's of a, an idiot. He's, he's a fool. He's possessive. He's manic. They make it very clear that like, you know, every room he goes into with her, he brags about it because it's a big get for him. The biggest problem though is that it, breaks the premise of the show like he is only dressing as a woman to be with near Sonny and if he's going to cheat on Sonny what's the point of staying at the Susan B even if you can no I agree like I understand maybe they still can't afford it this whatever but like it just feels like why did they even go there with this It, it breaks the show for me this episode doesn't really work at all because of that for me well it's confusing because like what are they then you know maybe it's not cheating maybe they're just maybe well are, are they other, right? poly like do they have an open it wasn't a really like, a guess, big maybe, thing like, is it then? possible that they just never discuss this like no because it about, seems like they like, never had the defining the relationship chat it feels like they defined their relationship to me in the first episode where they're like we're doing this with each other like we're with each other okay if like you know we're in this so and it's so also many not questions. something where he's like struggling the entire episode like should I date the sandwich girl he makes a decision pretty quick like <laughs> no it seems like they've and then everyone else out. is like I'm not gonna tell Dumb. very strange at least in this episode you know when he fights when he wants to fight her date uh, we got a really good Pratt fall in a chair like Tom Hanks like falls into a chair and then yes. the chair falls backwards I like that I also liked how uh, and this is just maybe why Ruth Dunbar is my favorite character she just pops up everywhere like they're at the tattoo parlor and she oh, she was just there getting yeah. a cover up well because she's got the tattoo of her ex-boyfriend who has like nine names yeah <laughs> but she's there but she always drops like these little bits of like motherly advice and stuff and i don't know i liked it becomes a recurring thing I, yeah i just liked how they bump into ruth more than ruth works with them you know what i mean like i really felt like they could have kept her around without having her be part of the business well, if they, they have the Ann perkins problem but they're making it funny at least yeah as opposed to Ang Perkins, who's just kind of a boring, bland character. Rashida Jones is great and beautiful and talented and wonderful, but Ann Perkins is not a great character. 
Debatable, but yeah, no, people tend to agree with that. That's why she's the Anne and, Perkins character. You know, in, in real life, the actress who plays Ruth, her partner is Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. at the, and, and you know what's even an crazier? In the first season, in their office, uh, because I looked her up after, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, there's, and like now it'd be more obvious, but back then I'm not so sure. There in the deep background, there's a lot of like rainbow symbols and symbolism and stuff and you know that's sort of like gay pride uh, colors now and everything so I wonder if they were sneaking some of that stuff in back then well because I mean to to steal sort of a a thread from HTML another show on the network like this this show in total is so aggressively heterosexual every episode is Kip and Henry exerting how they want to be manly or are manly yeah it could be so much worse though I would say most shows on at the time especially dealing with this subject matter were a lot I mean I'm not saying that it's good or bad I'm just saying that like these characters are defined by the women in their lives and you don't need like to have any kind of other representation, even if it's like subtly in the background, is a welcome adjustment. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. You know, and I was also struck me that there's no other lead men on the show too. Like that well, kind no, of. I skip- think that's. I think that's like the show is strangely progressive in that way. That the men are usually the bumbling idiots, and the women are like strong people. One of them's running the hotel. Yep. Yeah. Know? One of them buys the business out for them. Right. Silent backer. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like you have a lot of strong And we find out here. in the first season that at the ad agency that they work at would not run without Amy. Remember like that one episode where yeah. she right. shows up late? It's like the glue. The Joey Midnight one or whatever. Like everybody's losing their minds when she's not there. So There's more women than men on screen in a male-centered show and that rarely happens. There are a lot of shows that are like just women but it's usually that's a girl show. You know, this is a guy show. And this is like a more balanced thing. So, not saying by today's standards it's progressive at all, but I think for the time it's more than I thought it would be when I first started really watching. That's fair. Yeah. Next episode is The 2% Solution. Amy's small amount of stock in Kip and Henry's company gives her the deciding vote in a shareholder decision. And this is where Ruth and Kip and Henry are like whining and dining her to sort of get oh, her there. Because yeah, yeah. they both had different ideas for this uh, sales pitch, which eventually it turns out that they need both views to get it to work. But this is where it's not much of an episode, but you know, they're bringing Amy out, they're buying her jewelry, they're bringing her to fancy dinners, they're giving, you know, buying her massages or whatever. My big takeaway from this episode is that Ruth has a coffee mug that says Ruthless on it. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love That's it. awesome. That's they, awesome. They almost achieve a minute of continuity here where uh, Ruth is going to stop working at the ad agency and work with them full time, but then at the end she gets hired back by the ad agency. So I was like, oh, they almost uh, they stuck almost with it, almost made a change, but they decided to like, no, we better not. Let's let's pull that back a little bit. Uh, the next episode is the last one on the DVD, Cablevision. Kip and Henry produce an episode-length cable variety show, including an appearance by their special guest star and kidnap victim, Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall. What struck me about that is how Mila Boyette pitched this as a male counterpart to Laverne and Shirley. Yep. And she ended up being on one of the episodes. It's really cool. And she plays Petty Marshall. Kip's asking her about being Laverne. And it's a very, it's not like, it's not super meta, but it's more meta than a lot of the other yeah. episodes. I don't know. I don't know if it exactly works the entire time. Well, what I liked about it was it's a telethon episode. You always get, you get those in yes, sitcoms a lot. Um, it's an early mention of cable programming. So, you know, nice like cable television that, yeah. kind of thing. And I just like the idea that they were really eager for this account, that they were going to go that far out of their way for like, what was it, like a rat trap or something like <laughs> the that? Rat I, guy, rat yeah. Yeah, guy. A little rat control guy. Rat control guy. They're like, we're going to go above and beyond 
for you, but I thought it was great. A lot of a lot of uh, talent on display here by the cast. I think if again, if this is something that happens later in a show's well, this late in this show's run, but later in like a successful show's run, it makes a lot more sense. Like think think of this as one episode right a week, right? And if you're just popping into this show, you're like, what the hell is this? Yep. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what in God's name is this? For our present, how many more episodes on the air date schedule are there? Seven more. Seven more. And for us, it's the last episode, and they have that like conversation on like what it is essentially to exist or not exist on TV at the end. It feels like a final episode. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like yeah, a final episode. I'm actually surprised. I guess when they reorganize it, they're like, well, it was the final episode. We might as well put it there. Well, because I also think the, the the final episode that aired, which we'll get to, is not the last picture show. This is where they start acting like old people, and Ruth's like, I can't wait till you're actually old. And I feel like that kind of works as a final episode, that too. That does, too. Where it's like, let's see, let's see these characters that we're not going to get to see their future. Fair. What their future could be like. And I think they both weirdly work as a final show, final episode, yeah. because it's either some more meta ending, a more sort of weird, we, you know, we're making TV, but now we're not actually able to make TV anymore, or, you know, these characters that you love, and you can sort of, because uh, any show that gets canceled, you sort of wonder, like, what's going to happen or whatever. This, you sort of get to see different possibilities, and some are bad, some are better, but Ruth always looks great in exactly the same outfit. She shows up, we'll, she we'll, get, to, we'll get to that. But I, I think that is something that worked better in the past than it does today with sitcom and continuity and stuff, where some shows do try and run continuity through it, but back in this time especially it's the rerun generation or the rerun thing. Yeah. like most of these could have been the last episode of season two and it probably you could probably sat there and been like you know what if i think about it hard enough this makes sense to be the last episode because i just feel like they're designed to just pick one out and and at any order and just watch it on its no, own you're right so that's the thing and it's a real difference between especially today which is not in 1982 but a difference today between broadcast and like network versus like netflix or amazon like on tv when you air an episode you need to have enough in the episode so that if somebody's just if this is the first episode they're watching they can sort of have a sense of who these people are so whether it's the intro where it's like you know we used to live in this dumpy motel and we found out why because it got knocked down blah 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 or just like the fact that like everything sort of gets reset or whatever that there's character growth to a certain extent but at the same time in theory you could watch any episode of bosom buddies and know enough about what's going on to be like okay cool but no one on the other hand is going to like open up like the crown we were talking about earlier and like start watching like season two first like there's no yeah. There's no reason for that. So, like, you set up the story in the first episode of season one or season two or whatever, and then it's just, you're there. Like, you're not jumping around. People aren't entering in the middle. And I think that's a real, it's a different way of writing programs that, like, you you have to sort of, these have to be standalone because, just because of the the nature of how they're delivered to you. Yeah, that works. A lot of it, not just the writing, but the chemistry. And I think, like, this show keeps that chemistry going and it's strong and stuff. And, like, that's I could see this cast do a completely different show. Oh, yeah. Or even half of these people. If there was a spinoff something somehow Amy's world every single one of them to varying degrees obviously considering Hanks is part of this continued on to be at the very least working actors until you know now or their death in this episode Cablevision we mentioned it earlier this is one of at least three times that Peter Sclary juggles and he's a, he's an incredible juggler Dude, they, oh they do the double juggle with the, the bowling, with the bowling pins yeah. I was losing my mind I look for strings like I was like, well because I've always had a difficult time learning how to juggle I learned how to juggle somewhat at a when I worked at the ice cream store in high school and we had like no what the hell, Joey? Well, you didn't ask me about jobs I had in high school. I asked you high school you stories. you got to listen to Cinemakers for that. <laughs> 
I learned how to juggle because there was we had no customers. I was like, my friend learned how to juggle, and I was just like, I might as well do this too. The amount of effort they're putting in, it is kind of a shit show, this episode that they're putting together, because like, they don't, like, Hanks doesn't know what he's doing, like, he's sort of bumbling and everything, but I don't know how any client could look at the effort they're putting in and be, not be like, these are my guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it feels the kind, like, their whole boutique agency sort of thing is like, we don't have the money, but like, we're here for you. And like, the fact that they're putting together a telethon for a rat control account, like, that's the level of dedication. This guy is, you know, in the control booth and he's just like, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know about this. And then at the end, like, there's sort of like a reverse. He's like, you know, if they get Laverne, like, if they get Penny Marshall, like, I'm, I'm just like, they're doing so much here for you. <laughs> and I actually thought most of it was, was going pretty well. I mean, you know, all things considered, they had a lot of different segments going yeah, on but there. The, the a lot of big the ideas. Segments were... No, but that's part of the gag. Is... It's part of the gag for us, but for like for the guy. Be like, well, no, right. I, but I love like when Kip's like, you know, we'll be right back at these commercials and they're like, we don't have commercials. Like, all right, we're back. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have like, you know, we have Ruth's cooking corner, the Amy Cassidy corner. You know, he interviews Penny Marshall with like the worst questions. Like, how much money do you make? You know, I hear you and Laverne fight or whatever. Or Wait, you, so and you and Shirley fight. She was doing it as a favor for Ruth, but yet it seemed like someone kidnapped her. Yeah, what was that happening was with that? Did we clear. ever get to the bottom Amy of that? Nope. Was the one who tied her up, but why? so maybe to keep her there. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it got lost in the uh, teleplay. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, earlier scripts cleared it up. The next episode, the grandfather Henry saves the life of a little girl who turns out to be the granddaughter of a mob boss. This is where we see Kip as a penguin. Yes, <laughs> yes that was great. And this is where they find out that Elliot Pardo he saves their campaign because they they basically get fired, and then this guy gets shaken down by the mob boss, and it's like, oh, you will be back. Yeah. And this is where it's just basically an episode where Henry can't be calm around this guy because he knows he's an organized crime. Well, they're asked to hold on to a package for yeah. him, right? And I was like, oh, it's the granddaughter's birthday gift, obviously. And <laughs> they, they go like bananas when the package is missing, and they think that they're summoned to the mobster's mansion to be whacked. But they're for the party. But they're there for the surprise. But party. what I loved is this reminded me of the Sopranos, where Tony knows that like <laughs> his neighbor's terrified of him. Tony gives him like an empty box, oh, like, yeah, "Hey, can yeah. you keep an eye on this for me?" And the guy's like, "Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I could do that." <laughs> and like, there's like the one or two scenes of like the guy and his wife just like, "I don't know what's, I don't, know, I don't know," but like it's it's that sort of thing. But you know, I I, I like that that's sort of smart. Yeah, and again, just to say that cutaway of the mansion, it, like there's like two the dog, like, dogs. the Dobermans, yeah, like on the yeah, yard. Two, I think like German shepherds. Oh, like, okay, it looked like it was from like a Charles Bronson movie yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this: that mafia guy is like people, very diverse. What I liked is that they have the code that they tell Isabel, like, that we're in with the mob, and, like, they do, like, the thing on their nose where they're just like this, and then, like, the two guys, like, burst upstairs, and then she's like, who are these guys? And like, Kip just, like, you know, with the nose thing, that she's like, oh, uh, I gotta get out of here, my name is, uh, you know, Table Chairman or whatever, like, just, like, some, like, totally fake name, because she's like, I don't want to be involved with this. So the next episode, I told you guys, I think. So the first season, the rewrite, my favorite episode by a mile. This yeah. next episode, my favorite episode by a mile, Hildy's Dirt Nap. Oh my a god. A middle-aged man falls in love with Hildy, so Henry fakes Hildy's death. I loved this episode. Really? I loved That's interesting. this episode. I thought it was I mean, it's a it's a good episode. It's funny. I like how they kill off Hildy and they have the funeral at the Susan B. I thought that was bizarre. <laughs> and I loved how this Man, he was going to marry another woman back home, but he fell in love with Hildy. And then we find out he goes back home to marry that woman, and it's played by it's Peter Scolari. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. That was, that was great. <laughs> that was great, yes. But what about it for you really yeah, elevates? So there's a couple it, different things. I love when they're sort of out of their element, and it's a different side that we see them as, so like they're all like grieving. I love that it's, once again, sort of like the, 
the season one episode where they're trying to get revenge on the guy who's mean to Amy, that they're all in on it together, that from the very beginning when they're at the table or whatever, and it's, I think, Sonny and Hildy, and the guy, I'm like, I'm like, is this guy in love with Hildy? And then like, yes. And then just like his overzealousness. I think what I liked about it is that like there's a very simple solution. Tell this guy, hey, we're dudes. But the fact that they go to like a length to fake oh a God, funeral yeah. to sort of not hurt this guy's feelings, but at the same time, like this woman that you're in love with is dead, and like just the like the pratfall, like Amy doing a puppet show at the funeral, Isabel auditioning for her like would be agent, like by singing at the funeral. Well, that made sense to me, and that was that was funny. I, what was the puppet show like? I don't know, but I just love that it's like because it, it feels like they're doing this thing, and like, they even make a joke about like you know she was so well loved, but she. This could only be attended by like her five friends or whatever. <laughs> um, and like you know, this isn't. This is why her parents aren't here. This is why Kip's not here or whatever. That like you know, there's Wayne Gretzky signing autographs. Like it just. It I like that. Like... Yeah, because they brought the Canadian thing back finally because they were like selling that a lot. But they're from Ohio, one. real. I mean, I guess they moved no, to but, Ohio. No, uh, but Hildy yes. and, and they're from Canada, and they didn't mention it in the season until this episode. I think what I loved about this most was that there's a very very simple solution. You just tell the guy, "Hey, we're dudes." I know you think you're in love with me, but like I'm a dude. And the lengths they go to avoid that. That is just preposterous, and I could not stop. Like, I love this episode. What blew my mind is at the end of the episode, Henry tells him. Henry tells him, yeah. I was Hildy at the end. And like, he, he says, yeah. and I thought yeah. in my country uh, we had a housing shortage. And, like, yeah. the guy's not even <laughs> upset that they lied to him about killing yeah, off. Yeah, that's, I mean, I like this episode, but it's, it was a little wacky. It was a little too wacky I loved for me. It. I, the loved other, it. I, I thought it was good, though. The other note I had was they mentioned Alan Alda again. They mentioned him a couple times. But you know the thing they mentioned, the joke they mentioned more than that is like Osmond family or like the yes. Osmond, like Don Yeah, because Marie. they get him on two fronts from like the singing and the religion thing. Yeah, I think it's like four or five times in the season, which is okay. <laughs> and the other note that I have is that uh, Hildy died by taking a comet to the neck. Yeah, oh my God. A comet. <laughs> I just love this episode. Next episode, Kip off the old block. Kip tries to prevent his parents from breaking up. And my first note is, holy shit, Kip's mom looks exactly like Ruth. <laughs> Again, sort of maybe hair blindness, but the same hairstyle, the same hair color. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's not like you're dating your mom, but like you're working for your mom. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, no wonder she was able to sort of exert influence over them. This episode got dark at dinner. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't like this. This is very uncomfortable. This is a very, like, this is almost the opposite episode because it was uncomfortable during and then they kind of made Well, this up. is like Kip's parents are going to get a divorce. It's like yeah. what this is like about and everything. And then he shows his dad that he dresses as a woman, right? He shows, well, he comes out to both of his parents about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like a, hey, well, he dad. tells his dad and then his mom's like, because then he tries to mediate, right? And mom's walking away and he's like, how do I get her to stay? I dress in women's clothing. And then she's like, wait, you knew about this? Like, it's been a, it's been a long day or whatever. Yeah. Like, and that's the one that ends on uh, Kip saying is afraid of growing up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's brought back down. Wow. I mean, it's just all around. I think my, my least favorite episode of the season. We meet Kip's uncle. Right, yeah. Is this the relative or one of the relatives? I think there was like a really homophobic line, like something about like oh, he didn't want to kiss him because like it was implying that he had a gay cousin because the uncle kissed him too much. Huh. There was, And I was like, whoa. Too bad they didn't cut that out when they did the DVDs, <laughs> DVD versions. I'm like, geez. Like. Next episode, the way Kip and Henry were, the guy is recall how they gave up their youthful ambition and went to go work for Ruth. And this is what we were talking about before, that she shows up at their college dorm, and we see them both, like, hairy, and, like, with, like, Henry's got this crazy mustache. Ohio State. And she offers $20,000, but only for Kip, not Henry. This reminded me sort of of the episode of Always Sunny, the Pepe Sylvia episode, where Mac and Charlie get a job, and they're like, no, 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 like, we don't, we just need health insurance. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, like, they you can just it. give us health insurance, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll work for the same salary. <laughs> I like when Hanks comes in and he's all clean-cut again. Yeah, I like this episode. Yeah, I thought this was good, too. I loved seeing 
seeing them in college, in high school, like that kind of thing, playing younger. I appreciate the continuity of like where they're from and stuff. Did anyone catch their actual hometown? Because it's not Cleveland. No. I'll give you a clue. I don't know if it was one of all his movies. Oh. It's a Shia movie that has this in the title. It might be a high school film, too. Really? It was the subject of Project Greenlight. Oh, Shaker Heights? Yeah, they mentioned that their actual hometown is Shaker Heights. No kidding. I I forgot all about that movie. (laughs) This episode also has a very, very somber ending where they're like, hey, you know, we've been working for Ruth. We don't get to do our personal work anymore. That's like a longing shot of like to the the art, like the easel and the typewriter. Yeah, that was depressing. He's like, Henry, when's the last time you did any serious writing? And he's like, I haven't done any serious painting in six months. And they just kind of like look at each other. End of episode. (laughs) It's depressing because like I think everyone who's into art or considers himself an artist, not everyone because some people can make money off their paintings and stuff but and anyone who tries to be an artist has to compromise at some point and get a quote-unquote real yeah, job yeah, yeah. and this happens to everyone and the fact that it freaking ends on that note you're like but it also uh, seems like that their job is pretty fulfilling for their talents and needs right like they're using writing and art and all that to make their commercials and yeah stuff. so you could, would feel you would think that they would feel a, a little, little more bit fulfilled, but, but you know, he wants to write his novel which exactly. is less important in this season and and kip wants to be like an artist artist the weirdest like, thing is that this leads directly into the if it's in the same order in the who's on thirst because yeah. they go to the ski lodge to work on their writing yeah. and painting that was like weird. one of the like boom <laughs> yeah which they don't do and this is like who's on thirst kip and henry spell we get in the mountain cabin without anything to eat or drink it's another um, great sick and this premise. is where the, the tiger <laughs> oh, shows yeah. up too. This is okay, this is the tiger because it was almost a okay, bottle episode. I was like, we're gonna just be Kip and Henry starving to death this whole episode. Well, it, it feels kind of like they're like, we need to have something with the girls, but like you don't. Like no. you don't need to show the women. Like you, you can yeah. just have them. I actually didn't hate the tiger stuff, but did you read that the tiger actually got loose in the studio? No. no. Yeah, that was it. It was actually a thing. That's awesome. Oh my god! I just think I mean it was very out of character. But what are you gonna do? I, I just like the idea that it was Ruth that let the tiger free because you would just. It seems like more of an Amy thing that would happen, yep. I guess, <laughs> but that it was Ruth. When I saw that tiger come in, I'm like, oh my god, this is so stupid. <laughs> and, it, and look, it does make sense in that world. I, I think the tiger should have a handler, but they yeah. do film commercials. Not like they were in their old job and a tiger walked in. <laughs> this, was, this was one of the episodes that kind of got me back on the side of sitcoms where I was like, oh, you know, they're supposed to be stupid and dumb, and like, you know, you just get what you can out of it, and if it's working for you, good, all the better. My only other note about this episode is that they're, they're both whittling wood while they're in the cabin because they've got nothing else to do and Kip makes like the snake like the wood snake and Henry makes a Maserati like it's like this like beautifully <laughs> intricate uh, little woodworking so here's the episode I messaged you guys last night and I was I said I was getting a headache from watching the show not with my sister you pig after Henry dates Kip's sister the guys get into a fight that lands them in the hospital this is where they, sh- they show up and looking like New Wave for size house of New Wave supplies which I loved yeah that was cool Kip's sister shows up, and the premise is that Kip does not want her to move to New York, so he wants to show her a miserable time, which is why he's going to allow Henry to take her out, because Henry's, I guess, the worst. And like, <laughs> but then he, because Kip is a maniac, thinks that Henry and his sister had sex or made out, and he yells at him the entire episode, did you touch my sister? Did you touch my sister? Did you touch my sister? To the point where they then fall off the fire escape and nearly die. This was so dumb. Like, like we need to have an episode where, like, he's dating her 
sister, or like they're he's dating you know Kip's sister, but like there's nothing to it. The punchline or the whatever the the twist of it is that like she and Henry are both virgins. And he's like, no, you gotta find, we gotta wait for the right guy, which is like it's a weird kind of message. Yeah, that's the thing that struck me is that they strayed from the real meat of the episode. Like the whole thing about Kip's sister wanting to lose her virginity to Henry is three minutes, and the rest of the episode is Kip angry at Henry for taking out his sister, in which Kip asked him to do in the first place, and now he's upset that they might be close or whatever. Like, he never even, correct me if I'm wrong, he never says to Kip, your sister wanted me to deflower her or anything like that. Like, that didn't need to be in the episode they even, they even talk about when, like, he's like, oh, I think when she tells her side of things, she's like, no, he was protecting me. Like, he yeah. didn't tell you what I asked him to do. They're looking for something for conflict, and that's always, again, it's always touchy. You know, even in real life, some people don't like you dating their sister or brother or things like that. So I think they're just trying to find a situation where they can inflate it to the degree where friends fight, you know? And so, yeah. like, stay away from my sister, and, like, I wasn't touching your sister with all this stuff, like, overprotective Kip. That kind of goes along with his personality. He's very overprotective of Sonny from time to time, so... Um, but I, I'm with you. It didn't come across the best way. It came across very loud. And this also actually reminds me... I didn't realize how much of a retread it was. Remember in the first season, Ruth has her niece or whatever come into town, and she's like, I want her to have a miserable time. Henry, can you take her out? Like, it's the same <laughs> kind of thing. Like, it's funny, but it's also like... You already did this. I don't mind that because that's a recurring thing in sitcoms. Like, they want that to be an in joke that if they go five, six seasons, we already predict it. Like, someone's new in town and he's going to be, he raises his hands in the air, like, guess I'm taking her out. This was the episode I noticed that their production studio is sandwiched between an oriental massage parlor and Hazel's Bar, which people seem to be flooding Hazel's Bar during the morning. I don't know if you check out that <laughs> shot of it, but there's like two or three people going in and out of there. I know that was happening. I didn't put two and two together. That's funny. <laughs> the one part of this episode that I did like is that it reminded me of the rewrite in that like Hanks is like, I know exactly what happened. Here's my idea. And like he has like all his idea of lounge lizard Henry, where he's like this like real slick talker, like in this like oh, yeah. gaudy suit show up. And, <laughs> like, like, literally Literally crawling like a yeah. lizard on the ground. Like, I like the absurd element of it all, but then when we find out that it's just like she's lonely and in love with Henry, it's just like, oh. My favorite episode is a lot like what I thought was like the rewrite. We haven't gotten into it yet, but when we get to the last picture show. Just well, that's, be- that's the next episode. It's the last oh, episode. Oh. Not the last picture show. Kip and Henry imagine what life will be like when they're senior citizens. Yeah. And this is where they come back to the, the, the concert at like 2.30 in the morning. They're like, oh, it's so loud. Kids these days. I completely relate because they come back from a concert and they're like, who are these? Look at what these weird kids are doing nowadays these weird shows like I just wanted to sit there and listen to the music and I gotta deal with like kids pogo dancing and stuff and like that sounds like me now (laughs) I I get that you are an old man I am you are completely converted succumb fan (laughs) you can relate so well I like the, the, in one of the flash forwards or whatever, Henry's just like listing off North Jersey towns. He's yeah. like, well, blah, 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 blah. Basically stops on like the NJ Transit line, like the Bergen County line. Yeah, or someone looked at a map. We have old Kip and one of them shamelessly hitting on everyone who's around him. Sonny's the one who like goes through like the most wild variations. Like in the first one, she kind of looks like she stumbled out of Scooby-Doo. Like she's got the crazy glasses yeah. and the big <laughs> red hair. And she's like that like leopard, not leopard print, but like, like whatever the purple equivalent of like a leopard print outfit is on. <laughs> and then like in one where she's like, she comes in, I thought it was at first like Amy, because she's got like these huge boobs, like these really huge hips, and then you know there's a couple of just like that's I guess the joke that she's always gonna look bold and weird. But then like this, I don't know if it's the funniest one or not, Mike. But the last one where you know she and Hanks are like just boning all the time, it reminds me of our least favorite Watch of Throne celebrity because Hanks puts his hand on her knee and she's like. Oh, right. It, like, makes her orgasm. And they talk about <laughs> yeah. Charlize, because in that movie, uh, she talks about how anywhere in her body it's in a Roger's zone, and, like, touch her knee, and, like, she, you know, whatever. 
So, yeah. like, I was just like, the I knee in both of these. Oh, yeah, you were there. <laughs> I, I like seeing Hanks in the captain's outfit, because he'll be a captain again for a while. I'm Captain the, Phillips. I'm, I'm the captain Phillips. now. And he also plays Captain Sully Sullenberg, too. So. Yo, oh, yeah. Birds. Yeah, Sully. A lot of souls in that plane. God, there's so much Hanks that we got to get to. Who he boy? talks to a captain in Castaway. Oh, and I thought uh, Scolari, his first old age makeup, he looked like Steve Martin. <laughs> Kip, worst of all, you're a dirty, lecherous, degenerate, no style, no standards. You've grown old with no grace. You're just sad and worthless, which is just Ruth's like, cripes. I was like, whoa. Yeah, and then we, you know, the, the Ruth element. We get one flash forward where Kip and Henry are still dressing like Buffy and Eldie. Yeah. Oh, as yeah. old women. <laughs> like, I like that they progressed their own age of the <laughs> costumes. There's the one, oh, when they're old men playing checkers, they do the crotchety old who is it. They can't even keep up the charade anymore. Amy's an old homeless woman with, like, wheels in, like, a, a oh shopping cart. Yeah. Oh, that was, she was great as that crazy homeless person, I thought. <laughs> and she was also great during the telethon when she was doing, like, her Chiquita banana routine and, like, kicking her legs up on Henry's shoulder and everything I was like whoa like she's really moving around no, the stage she's really talented they all are they're all so good we, I don't think we mentioned it, but we got a, a lot more singing in this season from Isabel. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't really have anything to do. Even though she has more responsibilities within the world of the show, the show doesn't have anything for her to do. Yeah. And so, like, we might as well have her sing as opposed to just the Bob Saget episode. They have the cable vision and they have a couple different ones. Did we mention last week that, because I was, like, doing, like so doing a lot more research. I know Saget was on that episode, but did we mention that he was actually the warm-up comedian for the show? No, really? Yeah. For, yeah, for yeah Bosom we did For Bosom Buddies. Like, that's, like, they just got him, not off the street, but no, like, but they were like, hey, you're the warm-up. We yeah. need a comic for this episode. And they, they usually have comics, at least back then, to warm up the audience. So they're they, like they, in the mood for laughing yeah. for the live studio audience. And he was actually the, uh, uh, the warm-up comic. And then eventually they were like, wouldn't it be great if we put him in an episode? And then that's when they threw him in that episode. Wouldn't it be great if we made a whole TV show around Yeah, him? essentially. Like, <laughs> but that was it. That's all 18 episodes. Season 1 was 19. Season 2 is 18. What's the total? Do the math. 37. Easy math. So, okay. So let's talk about favorite and least favorite moments. I already said my favorite is the whole Hildy's Dirt Nap episode. I just loved that. But would you guys have a favorite episode or favorite scene or moment? So I think my favorite episode was not the last picture show, but I think my favorite moment was the telethon. Telethon was really good. Like, I just loved how it got out of control and I miss to be honest guys like I miss a good telethon we don't have telethons so anymore. a podcast I talked about on a handful of our podcasts one of my favorites I thought my favorite podcast is Never Not Funny and once a year they do podcastathon where they do oh, a nice. 12 hour it actually becomes 13 or 14 hours usually they do a 12 hour where they have guests every 20 minutes and they raise money for Smile Train so like it still exists but I think you have to be in that mindset because like people growing up today I saw maybe a couple but not really like even you know I'm not that much younger than you I'm significantly younger than you because you're an old man and I'm not but, but even like a difference like seven or eight years I didn't grow up with them. And so like, right. I feel like if you didn't grow up with them, you, it would never be in my mind to be like, let's put on a telethon. But for you, who grew up watching them, you would have to be the one to revive it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be like explaining what pirate radio is to people on Brian's program, right? <laughs> but it's like nowadays, it's just such a foreign concept because we have podcasts. But like, yes, there is this previous stage of what is happening now. <laughs> or like similarly, like when, when Maya Rudolph brings back her variety hour, like you might have been a part of it, but like it's the same sort of like it's the older generation, not older generation, but like the sort of the middle aged that reflects the older generation. And it's like without those, those kind of formats would be lost to the sands of time or just like, you know, reruns of syndication. Brian, what about you? What was your favorite moment or favorite episode? Um, I think the favorite moments of mine were seeing them as high schoolers and seeing them as college students. You're always on brand. Fair. Very fair. I didn't care for like the reunion part of that episode again even though it was silly i like seeing them as high schoolers because i like seeing 
Especially since we got both of them this season. Because I was wondering, like, how did Kip sell out? How did he get from this hippie, essentially, to, like, moving to New York? He was offered $20,000 by Ruth Dunbar, so that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, and again, we see the shave happen, so I guess that's my favorite moment. Cool. What about least favorite? I mean, I guess on a, on a, on a high level or, you know, whatever, every time the episode ended out of nowhere with a somber news, <laughs> I'm like, aren't we supposed to be laughing? Like, but it's, it's fun to talk about, though. Oh, it's definitely fun to talk about, but I also feel like you could do entire episodes that are special episodes. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like the closest they get to an entire episode where it's more serious is when Henry dates Kip's sister. But even that is not serious all the way through. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you, you have the ability in a format like this to make an episode that's all about dr- like drug use or like or divorce, know, prostitution or divorce right, yeah. or whatever. I wanted right? to. I still don't understand why they're trying to tackle these kind of topics. I guess my least favorite thing is I just really get a sense that they knew it was going to be canceled, you know? So I, I think they rushed a lot of development, which isn't so bad now. It's rare you get a cast to me this good and you're honestly not able to do much with it because you only have two seasons. I wish... I guess the ending of it, the fact that it ended, is my low point. I would have liked to have seen more seasons and some development. But at the end of the day, for your show, yeah. it was a good thing that it oh, ended. Sure. It gave Tom Hanks a lot of time to develop yeah. into the star he was. I referenced it last episode, Mike, but we've talked about before, about like the best of times could have been like a real weird, fun, goofy show. But if that got picked up and Nicolas Cage starred in that, like, we would have missed... Even if, it, even if they just lost like two or three years, like we would have lost... Still, we would have lost Valley like, Girl like, yeah, or something. Yeah, you exactly. know, you know, so like Things happen for a reason. So. Yeah, you just don't know the, the opposite, too. Like, maybe Jennifer Aniston is a huge... Now that she's not a big movie star, but she's a huge movie star well, yeah. and Friends gets canceled the first season. Well, what if she never did Leprechaun 1, right? Then she never does Friends. And then, you know, so every job is important. Tom Hanks doesn't meet Rita Wilson if he's yep. not in this. And then the world is different somehow. <laughs> she's definitely not in that thing you do then, so... Oh, there you go. And it ruins the entire film. Um, what about you, Mike? What was your least favorite part of Bosom Buddy Season um, 2? Well, I agree with Brian. I, I was a little... By the end of this, I could have I could have gone for a third season. I was surprised. I what was a like, transformation. I was like, man, oh man, what is going on here? <laughs> but I think, like you said, Joey, like they had chances to do one or two uh, serious episodes if they wanted to, as opposed to sort of, you know, injecting that tone into an otherwise... Like four or five or six episodes. Yeah, yeah. like, so like, I'd say the one that bothered me the most is um, Kip's parents fighting at dinner. Like, that just really sort of... There was no coming back from that episode for me, and so I kind of feel like that one's a little broken. And also one other thing that we didn't really talk about in that episode, when we talked about that episode, is that, like, it makes sense within uh, how pretty and beautiful Sonny is, but, like, how shamelessly Kip's dad hits on Sonny, his son's girlfriend in front of the wife. It's just, like, I get that it's a joke, and, like, I, like him saying Sonny, 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 and then they, they even, like, become, like, oh, well, that's where he, got it, get it from, he gets it from, you know what I mean? But, like, like have a little bit of tact, you know right. what I mean? So, yes, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit on Sonny, but the fact that he was doing it in front of his wife was yeah that was right i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of humor brian here for a second let's Ooh. pull a high school slumber party and not just this season but the entire show we're gonna rate it on a scale of one to five but what should we rate it on a scale of bosoms <laughs> how about on a scale of one to five sunnies how many times do you say sunny <laughs> uh rate the show within the scale of like sitcoms as a whole but also just enjoyment because like i was saying before like there were only a couple episodes where i was like i'm really truly enjoying this show i liked watching it but it's not the kind of show where i'm gonna be like oh i need to go watch bosom buddies again i don't know I don't know where you guys fall. So, like, if you had to rate this on a scale of one to five sunnies, how would you rate it? Either at, within the scope of, like, sitcom history or just enjoyment. I'll give it, like, a three sunnies, I think. You're doing it wrong. Sunny, sunny, sunny. Okay. 
because I think it's it's <laughs> it's it's more good than not good, but it's more good than great. I'm gonna say sunny, 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 sun. Three and a half. Yeah. You know, I've been away from sitcoms for a long time, guys. This is like really kind of making me curious again to go back and visit ones I liked, but also other ones. Like I want to rewatch Wings now, of all things. Like it's weird. So like I love Wings. It's not the best. It's far from the worst that I've seen. You know, I'd say this is like average. So originally I was just sunny, sunny, sunny. But now I'm going to be sunny, 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 sunny. Because if it made that much of an impact in your life, Mike, if it's a gateway for you to watch Wings, which I love. It's a gateway sitcom. It did its job. You know, one thing I have not told you, I don't think, Brian, but... You know, after I catch up on some of the Netflix shows that I have started but have not been not 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 current on, one of the few sitcoms I'm going or one of the few shows that I'm going to watch this year for the first time is Cheers. So, oh, that takes a while. Speak of dancing on the ceiling, (laughs) I know there's a lot of it. You see, the three you have to do is Cheers, Frasier, and Wings. Takes a long time, but they're they're all in the same universe. All right, the next thing we're going to do: if Tom Cruise were in this, the other Tom, if Tom Cruise were in this instead of Tom Hanks. How would season two have played out differently? I don't think it would have played out much differently because I feel like they reach a level of mania here and like <laughs> things get so madcap. I think Tom Cruise's energy would play perfectly into this season. I think more so than last season for some reason. I think because of the physical stuff that they're doing, uh, Hanks would, uh, Cruise, sorry, would get more physical and everything. You know, he's he's supposed to be Kip, right? Like, so if he was the Kip character, I actually think he would have been less loud when trying to, like, explain things to Sonny and later with Kip and his sister and things. I think he would have been a little more understanding as Kip this season. And I think he would have been just as big a fool and having just as much fun. So yeah. that's, that's sort of like what I said, because the first season, you guys were like, I don't think this plays out as well and I was yeah. like I think it could do I think it could be I come yeah, around good. yeah I, I agree with that this season certainly is more in the cruise wheelhouse in the cruise wheelhouse yeah I think there's less of the Kip and Sunny melodrama in this season it's more silly this season and silly I, I, silly 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 yeah <laughs> if I ever meet Tom Hanks in person it's so sad that the one thing I'm going to ask him is to say Sunny 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 into my phone <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd get a kick out of that I think if Tom Cruise was Kip, I just see the the 60 Seconds Street being more successful. Like, I think that there'd be more of a focus paid to that, um, which, again, sort of rewrites the show, but I feel like it's it'd be more focused and it'd be more uh, successful and productive in terms of that. And I think there'd just be more attention paid to building that. I think there could have been different kinds of elements, because it feels like Kip never really... Ca- like, I mean, again, it's a Kip character, so maybe it would be the same thing, but it feels like Kip never really cares about the business as much. Like, it's just sort of there as a, a, a reason for things to happen, kind of. You know what I mean? And I just think that that could be a, a one little bit of a difference between Hanks and Cruz. All right, Mike, you said you wanted to Stanley yourself. Yes. How are you going to Stanley yourself into season two of Bosom Buddies? So this is the weirdest thing I've been thinking about, especially with, just with Tom Tom Club. I'm not sure if this was happening on Watch the Throne or not, but like for some reason, I've been re, I've been uh, Stanleying myself as like very young. So like in the Outsiders episode we recorded, I was like, I'm a kid going up to get my bike tire, <laughs> you know, inflated at the gas. I'm like, I'm Spangle. not a kid. I'm like 40. Like what? So I have to, and I think even in the previous episode of Bosom Buddies, I was like, I'm the I'm the boy in the mail room. It's like, I'm not a male boy. Like, I'm 40. Uh, so I wanted to recast myself properly this time. 
you know, I'm definitely a client that has, you know, that wants a commercial made for a store. The only thing is like, I, you know, I have to figure out what my store, what, what I'm trying to sell there there is though. So um, I think I'm coming in there. I'm opening up a record store, right? DJ Meister's record store. Ooh, okay. And I need them to make me a spot. Okay. So I want, so I commissioned them, you know, I want to see what they got. Like, I want to see them dressed up like in the, um, like the track suits, like Run DMC, wearing the big dookie gold chain behind the, the turntables and stuff. And like, that's, so I'm a client and I'm like, I'm opening a record store and like that. this is what I want. Yeah. I think I was a client in the first one with unreasonable demands. You sound like a much more manageable client to deal yeah, with than I was. I think so. Yeah. Definitely. Brian, what about you? If you had to, if you would like want to walk on role or had to put a, yourself in a small part in Buzz Buddy season two, where would you, where would you inject yourself? Because remember, apparently all of the universe takes place in the Susan B. Anthony Hotel. So no, however, you know, whether it's a high school <laughs> reunion or what. I would definitely be a high schooler who you saw in the flashback, and then I was also at the reunion. Okay. Nice. You know. So Steve Buscemi asks, how do you do, fellow kids? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's funny, because, like, obviously they all look, I mean, it's part of the gag. They always look the same age, essentially. Yeah, Scalari, I think, I don't know, I think they pulled off high school pretty well, though. I'm surprised that I didn't, I didn't realize they'd be such opposites and yet such close friends. Like, a hall monitor and a class-cutting hippie. <laughs> Like, I love Maybe it. they weren't as close until they got to college and they were roommates or something. Did anyone look if that deaf girl was actually played by a deaf person? I don't know. I didn't. I hope so. I hope so. I would obviously Stanley myself into the Hildy takes a dirt nap episode. I think I would be someone. The corpse. That would be the corpse. I would be someone who knew her tangentially, but was like overly dramatic about her being dead. Because like everybody in the room, it's like the agent and then everybody who's in on it and then the janitor or whatever, the Russian guy. And I just feel like it'd be funny if somebody else came in and was just like, oh my God, Hildy is dead. But like, we don't know who this person is. And they just show up and they're just like sobbing. I dig, it. I dig it. All right, the most important question, does Tom Hanks turn his head to the side and softly, silently chuckle? I forgot to look for it. I can't specifically tell you when or where he did it, but he had <laughs> to have done it. He moves so much that even if it was incidental, it had to have happened. He does a couple of laughs direct, like he does a couple of like ha ha ha, <laughs> like a couple. Of, he does a great Tarzan yell in this, but I can't tell you definitely if I caught it. Okay, but I just feel like you know, with the fact that there's nine hours, like there's some, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> no, right, right. Uh, the law of averages dictates And again, he's probably. moving so yep. much. Cool, okay. So we have a, we have an email address here on the show, hanks at cageclub.me, either H-A-N-K-S or H-A-N-X. I put this offer out last week's Tom Cruise Cruise Club. If you email in, I will send you a prize. If you share your mailing address with us, we will mail you a prize for being the first person to email in to Hanks for the Memories. Uh, hanks at cageclub.me. Say hi. We'll read it on air. Think, set, let us know what you think of the show. What what episodes, what movies are you most looking forward to? What do you think of the first three episodes so far? Hanks at cageclub.me. We also have a Patreon page, which is uh, a way to support us if you don't know a Patreon. I mean, so I guess there's two reasons you might be listening to this. Either number one, you love Tom Hanks and you just found this. Or number two, you heard us on another show, but we've done shows about Cage, Nicholas Cage, Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron, Shia LaBeouf, uh, different directors for Cinemakers, a whole bunch of different shows. You go to patreon.com slash cageclub and you can kick in a couple bucks to support us. And if you want us to go through every Peter Scolari thing, you can do that. Uh, there is a tier that you can control what we watch and talk about. So if, if that's something you want to do, please, God, don't. But if you want to, patreon.com slash How much is that tier? $100 a month. Oof. It's well, steep for me. Yeah. I was thinking about buying it and just sabotaging the show. We also don't really know, like, if somebody donates for one month and they're like, hey, do the Peter Scolari thing, which is going to be like uh, a year-long project, we'll do it as long as you continue to support us for $100 a month. Yeah, like no, it would have to be we got to figure it out. But well, email us, hanks.keyshield.me, we'll talk it We'll talk it out. 
All right, so the last thing we have to do on the show here is the Tom Hanks Awards, maybe the Golden Lassos, maybe the Golden Volleyballs. Uh, This is the best and the worst of the Bosom Buddies. We nominated this last episode for Best Ensemble and Best Line. Sunny, 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 sunny. A lot of these don't really necessarily apply. Best or worst or most fun film. Best or worst Hanks role. I feel, again, it's sort of... I think without him doing it, it'll be kind of like a sort of down-the-middle kind of thing. I think he's adding to it, but I don't know if this is necessarily... closer to good than bad I think but I don't think it's necessarily one of his best no especially his career right you know he's good in it it's fine but you know no one no one's talking about you know Kip Wilson nowadays right <laughs> like they're not saying Wilson! oh wh- like oh that's volleyball. oh Wilson the volleyball I wonder if that came up on set what should we call this Rita thing Wilson too so many connections plus this is like proto Hanks I think I might have said that earlier on the previous episode it's like he's trying so many things out on this show angry manic jealous happy nice all this i feel like over the next few films he's really going to find himself and settle into like who he is best fight i'm just gonna write down protective of sunny just because it's probably gonna get cut but best dance scene i mean he, he dances a little bit but there's nothing really they dance a couple times oh that was an awkward no music slow yeah. dance at the end of that episode but they do that weird dance in the hallway is it or no it's something when oh, um, they like dance well, they do the disco the disco yeah. dance yeah who dances with Amy at that reunion? Because my uh, Stan Lee is going to dance with Amy at that reunion. Just FYI. Best Hanks outfit wardrobe? Mm, not really. Well, which wardrobe? is it? Are we talking about the penguin suit or the new wave suit? I mean, there's some... Uh, so we'll just say uh, commercial costumes. Because like I said, like they, they might not dress up as women a lot on this season, but they sure as hell dress up a lot this season. Does not die. We already nominated the best line. Best Almost time. dies three times, though. Does that count? Best freak out. Now, this is something we talked about last episode. Do we want to nominate Kip and Sonny for worst love story? I think after this season, yes. I want to get there. <laughs> because they can't even decide if they've had sex or not. Like Fair. <laughs> Fair. I can't fight it. I would have last week. I can't fight it this week. And then we nominated again uh, the ensemble for best ensemble, which is a new category, but best non-Hanks actor, male or female. I feel like they're all good, but no one really truly stands out as like... The only person I think would officially would fit the category would be Scolari if he wanted to, but he's not going to make the final cut. Let's be honest. I'll say Peter Scolari said so, like I wasn't thinking he was eligible because I was just compar- <laughs> I was combi- combining the two for some reason in my head. I'm interested now though because how many times has I mean there's Hooch and Turner and Hooch. There's Dan Aykroyd. That's funny. He oh yeah Dan Aykroyd at uh, Sonny's husband. Dixon. They have a movie in Dragnet. Did he Dragnet? There's the guy who played the volleyball. I mean Andy Serkis. It was the volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like I want to keep track of how many times he partners up with someone. Well, we'll probably nominate Tim Allen as Buzz, but that'll do it for our bosom buddies. I mean, between wow. the two episodes says that we talked about it we talked about it for four hours we watched 19 and a half hours of the show or 18 and a half hours of the show you listen if you listen to both episodes you probably listen to about three hours of content it's just we are I, I joked last time but we're the sort of the definitive source for bosom buddies opinions maybe not facts <laughs> but bosom buddies opinions <laughs> on the internet because there's a lot of it out there but Brian thank you for joining us tell people if they're listening and they don't know yet why don't you tell them a little bit about uh, High School Slumber Party well Joey Mike as you know Fridays are for fun TGIF <laughs> I love so hold on let's pump the let's T for T note for a second. I like that Brian just bra- like he he branded TGI Fridays and Fridays for fun for the <laughs> network without telling anybody. He's just like this is who we are now. I'm like okay, I guess, I guess this is who we are now. Like I love it, but it's just Friday like lineup. but you just like put it on Instagram. I was just like <laughs> I figured you know like shoot first, ask questions later kind of thing. Rather ask for an apology than for permission. Rather ask for forgiveness yeah, that's than permission. Yeah. Yes. If anything, it's a joke. <laughs> like you know, it's not a joke because it's very serious. Fridays are for fun, but it's very serious. <laughs> 
Serious. No, no. Okay, so my show, High School Slumber Party, debuts on Fridays as well. So after you listen to this, because we know you're midnight listening to your Tom Tom Club, Hanks or Cruise, if you're still up, there's another show on the network, My Show, High School Slumber Party. And we talk about films that take place in high school. High school films, if you will. Let's see, what week is this? So this episode comes out on February 8th, which means next week is our three-part crossover between Too Fast, Too Forever, High School Slumber Party, and third time to charm yeah. today is a very special episode very special with episode. my other co-host joe too yes for the first time i have joe too on and it, is it to promote our next week crossover yes a little bit a little bit but it's not, it's a movie he really really wanted to do he is and i dub him in this episode i know i don't have dubbing permission so i need to get your approval but he's definitely the lifetime film expert because he has watched a lot of lifetime films and he decided to do a lifetime film with me called high school lover it stars james franco and it stars Lana Condor from the great film last year, To All the Boys Love Before. Before she did that, but uh, oh, I don't think I realized this came out in 2017. For some reason, I was thinking it was older. No, 2017. Very confusing film. Very lifetime film. But it's a hilarious episode. Maybe not a hilarious subject matter, but we have a high school lover this week, and next week is our huge Mondo crossover driving this beautiful, beautiful thing. Tokyo Drift, The Fast and the Furious. Yep. We're, you know, we're going to get the regular lap. We're going to get the high school slumber party. And then the third time's a charm version of things. And then, Brian, coming up in April, and then again, I think either late April or early May, you're going to have both your 50th episode and your one-year anniversary. Ooh. Do you have anything exciting planned for those? Uh, not yet. Well, not anything I could let out of the let out of the bag. You're going to have on John Cusack? John Cusack. That Who's would your be... dream guest? John Cusack or Julia Stiles? Dream guest really would be Julia Stiles, but I would like to end my show with John Cusack. All right. Well, go check out High School Summer Party every Friday. Every week that a Tom Tom episode comes out, either this show or Cruise Club also comes out, is a High School Slumber Party podcast. So go check out Brian's return of his high school year. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over at Brian's house because you're about to get your party on. And remember, Fridays are for fun. Fridays are for fun. For all things... Thanks for the memories and Cruise Club and High School Summer Party and all 24 shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. If you email us and share your mailing address, we'll send you a prize. Go to patreon.com slash cageclub if you want to, you know, create the Scolari podcast or just say hi <laughs> or kick us a couple bucks or whatever. Next week is Losing It for Cruise Club and then two weeks is Mazes and Monsters right here on Hanks for the Memories. And then in, in four weeks, from today. So after Mazes and Monsters, the next Hanks is Family Ties, three episodes that he was on. So we're going to do that. Um, so come back in four weeks if you want more Hanks TV. But every Friday, Tom Tom Club, High School Slumber Party, only at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Mancy. And that was Brian Rodriguez of the High School Slumber Party Podcast. And we'll see you next week for Losing It and two weeks for Mazes and Monsters right here on Hanks for the Memories. Hanks for the Memories.